This is episode number 84, From Insight to Impact, with Heather Parody. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and give a shout out to one of the listeners who has been a part of our work from the very beginning. Her name is Leslie Johnson. The Overcoming Odds podcast brings members of our foster and adoption community together and shares our powerful voices. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone connected to or by foster care and or adoption, as well as those who want to learn more about the adoptee experience, healing, growth, and resilience. Thank you so much, Leslie, for supporting us from the very beginning of Overcoming Odds. Now, if you want to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes. It is that easy. Simply go to iTunes, type in Overcoming Odds Podcast, and leave your thoughts and comments in the section provided. Also, if you haven't checked out any of our upcoming events, feel free to do so at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. These are experiences created by other community members from the Overcoming Odds tribe, where you'll get a chance to hear stories from powerful speakers from all over the country and opportunities to share your own story as well. Once again, for more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our guest. This week's episode features Heather Parody, host of the Unconventional Leaders Podcast, Mastermind Facilitator, and Southern Optimist. She's a therapist turned online entrepreneur. Her goal is to develop the next generation of leaders who go against the grain. On this episode, we'll be talking about what is our purpose for being here, experiences, and how all of the experiences make up who we are today. So it is important that we embrace every single one of them. Self and the importance of community and the people that make up your particular tribe. Without further ado, please welcome Heather Parody. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone who I was fortunate of meeting a couple weeks ago and was also able to be on both of her platforms that she runs. Uh, Her name is Heather, and I wanted to have her on to this show to talk about this concept of adding or finding meaning within our daily work and what it really all means to us at the end of the day. So Heather, welcome to the show. I am so honored. And if I had a third platform, I would invite you on that. (laughs) I am a huge fan of your work. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate you being on. Um, You know, the question that you and I started talking about prior to this particular episode and recording was, how do we add meaning or how do we do how do we define meaning from the work that we do and as i was thinking through it there was another question that popped in my head and that was 
in order for us to, I think, be able to define what that meaning is, we have to understand what hole is it filling. And it typically goes back to our childhood. It typically goes back to some sort of instance, some sort of story that we didn't get full fulfillment from. And so the work that we do now is hoping to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Now I would like to pose this question to you. And that is, what hole or space are you trying to fill with the current work of yours that might go back to as far back as you can remember? I love this question uh, because I think it dips really deeply into just human psychology and just bigger questions that I don't know if we'll ever be able to answer. Um, You know, I studied psychology uh, in uh, undergraduate and graduate school, and I, I walked in thinking I knew everything and walked out realizing how dumb I really was with so many more questions. And it was it's interesting how many people have wrestled with this question of just our existence and our purpose and, you know, not only what causes pathology within people, but also what is uh, thriving look like? What is mm-hmm. human look like and no one really knows no one could really agree and so in studying different theorists you know they all had their different idea of what is our purpose for being here and there was one that I especially loved Uh, his name is Alfred Adler and his idea was he was friends with Freud at one point but like most psychologists he got into a fight with him at one point kind of branched Mm -hmm. off and did his thing. But Adler, what he talked a lot about was this sense of inferiority. And he believed that we are all born with this sense of inadequacy, kind of what you were just saying, like this hole that you want to be filled. And this could be something that you were born with. Maybe you had a disability or you grew up poor or um, in your case, you know, struggled with um, family issues and mm-hmm. a sense of this identity. Or it could be something that's completely social, like maybe you were made fun of for something specific and it just really stuck with you. I mean, whether it was biological or social or whatever, mm-hmm. we all have these insecurities. And like you said, we worked to overcome them or what he said, overcompensate for them. Mm-hmm. The reason I loved him so much is he said that we all have it. And it's not that we overcome it, it's that we start to recognize what that hole is and we shift it instead of finding an unhealthy way to cope with it, which a lot of people do, as you can think of maybe someone who didn't have a father in their life. Maybe they try to overcompensate by being incredibly masculine to a point Mm -hmm. where they they don't tap into their emotions, or maybe you grew up poor and you want to be rich. Instead of thinking about these obsessions, you switch it towards societal good. And that's what he said. So how can I notice this hole and this void in my life, recognize the ways that I've been trying to fill it in an unhealthy way, and now fill it in a way that actually makes an impact in this world? And so long answer to your question, I when I heard that theory. I resonated with it so much because, um, I can tell you what my insecurities are. Um, mm-hmm. and I can tell you ways I've tried to compensate for it. And now my big question is in what I told you is trying to figure out how can I take these inadequacies, these holes in my past, like you said, and, uh, figure out a healthy way to, to fill them. Uh, short answer to what those voids may be, mm-hmm. uh, grew up very poor 
And in a very dysfunctional home, my dad um, had a lot of, um, and I say this with all respect because he's, it's not his fault, but he grew up within the foster care system and had a lot of trouble with law and uh, substances and stuff like that. And he was present in my life, but he really struggled emotionally um, and kind of was a little bit childlike in the sense of did never really was able to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, we've, we've mended a lot, but was very abusive, uh, when I was older. And so I felt very isolated. We never went to school. Um, we were left at home all the way. I, I didn't attend school until college. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that was the first my first time walking to a classroom was when I was 23 years old. Uh, so very isolated childhood and then a really, really hard, uh, family relationship and then a lot of poverty. So the unhealthy way that I've tried to overcompensate with that was this heavy emphasis on trying to make something of myself and, uh, go into college and wanted to be something and make a good paycheck and all of this and really struggling with relationships. I've, I've struggled a lot with relationships in my life. Uh, but now my question is, is okay. I recognize that I I've have issues around money. I re- recognize I have issues around relationships and feeling inferior, just feeling less than most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I now use that hopefully in a healthy way where I can use some of those insecurities and doubts through this platform and the things I'm building online to, uh, give other people hope who've lived the way that I've lived or had had struggles and hardships. And how can I use that to make an impact? And I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I think I fail all the time. I think I'm constantly having to check my own motives because it's not as black and white as, is this action good? And is this one bad? Because a mm-hmm. lot of times the same action in both ways and like your intention behind it, we, sometimes you don't, you're not even aware of it because we're so hardwired in one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been this huge learning process and I, I, I fail all the time and I'm trying to figure it out, but I, I'm aware that I have a lot of issues and how I deal with that could be either really detrimental or really good. Mm-hmm. You bring up so many uh, good points. I think the first one is the impact of our environment. And as someone who had experienced a similar setting to what you just described from your upbringing, what I notice myself being right now is, despite of the fact that I have found ways to work with a lot of the behaviors and actions that my family took from the very young age, I also notice myself in situations where I'm still carrying on some of those behaviors. And actions as I go into relationships. One of the biggest things for me is um, trust. I have a very difficult time developing trust because I was misled so many different times. And so as part of that journey, the more I look at it, I always ask myself the question of, well, I tried this during that relationship and it didn't work out. And then I tried to pivot and then that didn't work out. And so as part of that, you also begin to lose a lot, a lot of self-belief as just a natural occurrence. In your case, what are some of the elements that you still carry forward as part of your father and mother that that the way they impacted you? Like in a negative way, the hard things? Or just just in general, like what do you notice yourself catching and asking yourself or telling yourself, okay, my father did this or my mom sure. did this? Sure. 
What a great question. Um, I, I think I can really relate to the, the trust, but almost a mistrust of other people. My mom was very, uh, very antisocial. And Mm -hmm. the reason we stayed home, we didn't go to school. We were quote homeschooled Mm -hmm. (laughs) slash really didn't do schoolwork. Um, is she had this death fear of other people, like of other relationships that other people were there to harm us and hurt us. And we were going to, something terrible was going to happen. So there was so much fear and anxiety. And I don't have that as a, like a physical fear towards people or anything like that, but I have noticed this dissonance between, it's kind of like, I feel, I've felt like an outsider my whole life. And this sense of belonging has been really hard because since we did live in such isolation, I've noticed I've I've dealt with a lot of envy or jealousy towards people who have very strong uh, communities and mm-hmm. feeling, you know, like people who are like, oh, I, you know, generations back and my grandmother, and you know, like all this, like this sense of a, a strong family, you know, of belonging, um, just felt very isolated from that. And so I think I have noticed myself um, where I naturally tend to push people away because since I have lived alone so much and been by myself, that although I envy that community, I also feel very uh, weary of it. So mm-hmm. I noticed like even, you know, especially in my early 20s, um, anytime people would get close to me, I would just start pushing them away. Uh, I did that in dating relationships. I did that with with friendships. Um, with my dad, I don't, I think avoiding, uh, serious conversations has been uh, a big thing. Mm. <laughs> My dad's very, I, I, I say this to respect, but very, very childlike in the sense of, I mean, he, he was put in jail when he was seven. I mean, he literally had no family, terrible, terrible. I mean, it is a miracle. He's alive. It is a miracle. Mm-hmm. So the way he's coped with it is just the way he's coped with it. But he's, he doesn't, he, he's very childlike in his demeanor of very kind of like, Oh, things will be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? So really looking at hard things, um, and being kind of grown up in my own mindset. Cause my dad was my refuge, believe it or not. My dad and I were very close growing up. And, uh, since I had a lot of abuse from my mom, he would kind of pull me out of that situation. And I felt like he was a refuge for me. Um, he left when I was, uh, 12, um, so there was a lot of, you know, issues there with that, but I leaned into his personality and the way that he viewed the world. So I can see a lot of myself in him. Mm-hmm. Before we d- jump into this concept of relationships, which I think both of us also share a lot in common, I want to ask you a question about your dad. And that is, if you were given one word to describe your dad, what would that word be? Abandoned. Mm. And why? He was. I mean, that just, it, it, it infused every part of his being. I mean, he literally was abandoned as a child and no one took him in. He literally was on his own in that, that piece I was talking about isolation. Mm-hmm. Like he literally was alone. And so he does his very, very best to get very close to get close to people. And I think my sister and I are probably, some of the closest people he has in his life, but even with relationships, he pushes people away too. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. 
Well, that's a perfect segue into what I was actually going to say about relationships and the things that we started to talk about before, and that is being in this particular role of where we are, and, and a lot of it is dependent on connecting with other people. What I've noticed <laughs> is that the more you connect with other people, there's so many different elements of my past that I'm having to deal with, and that is, and it, I think it's very similar to what you have gone through. When we've had the upbringings that we've had, and as part of that, when we were looking to other people to help us solve X, Y, and Z problems, a lot of those were transactional because mm -hmm. it's here's a problem. How can you help me solve it? Or can you help me solve this so I can move on and look at a brighter day? What I notice is that even in, in nowadays, I face myself in situations like that. Mm -hmm. And I try to create more meaning, additional layers to each relationship that I'm a part of. But sometimes it becomes very difficult. Do you notice yourself in similar shoes? What, what I struggle with is needing something from someone. So transaction for me is hard because I really, really struggle with asking for help, mm -hmm. accepting help and needing help. And if you run, I mean, I, I have a nonprofit too. I mm -hmm. have a business and the platform I'm building, it you're right, it requires other people because we cannot do this alone, which is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also very hard for people who have, all of us have mm -hmm. had some hell happen. You know what I mean? So I, I completely empathize with what you're saying. My issue with all that is just, um, I am constantly saying, like, well, what can I do to help you and serve you and all that? And the moment that I need something, it's very, very hard for me to do that. Um, and, and then I feel, I don't feel, I, I guess, I, I just feel guilt, I guess. I, a lot of, I, I mm -hmm. want to guilt. There, there's just, there's just, I just feel this dissonance between me and most people that I'm really trying to <laughs> figure out what that is. And it's self-imposed. It really is. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. And there's a huge level, I think, of courage that needs to be developed before you ask for help because... You know, we've asked for help in different ways during our lives, but now it's a slightly different one. Now it's no longer, hey, I'm I'm just trying to survive. Help me find X, Y, and Z. Now it's I've survived and I'm trying to help someone else, which I think goes back to the point of you can't really help or heal someone unless you have healed yourself. Right. Or you have found that avenue of help for yourself before right. you can help another person. But I think we're always in this journey of healing because this is the thing. Like you would have asked me 10 years ago, Heather, are you healed from this, this, this? About yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And the, the older I get, the closer I get to my husband, the more relationships that I have, the more people I talk to, the more and more things are becoming revealed to me that I didn't know was in me. And so it's this weird chicken egg type thing where mm -hmm. you, I agree with you, there needs to be some healing there. But I also think like the more self-aware you become and the more that you discover where ego is hiding in your life, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, this it, is just a continual process. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we're supposed to figure it out. I think the figuring out part is the whole lifetime. I think that's the... For me, at least, that's that's the underlying meaning behind life is that it's all about figuring it out 
the whole time. And There's no really one destination. People. Yeah. Yeah. What helps people? What You telling me your story, mm-hmm. the, the hell you've been through, the, the revelations you have, all that, the times you've admitted that you've struggled and that you've been weak and that you've failed, that speaks to me at a human level mm-hmm. that really impacts me and changes me. You know, so I think brokenness has the capacity to heal and help and impact other people because it gives us permission to be human and say, you know what? I don't have it all together either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You speak a little bit about the different things that you have been through and are still going through. My question is, what is one of those? What are you what are you going through right now that is challenging? to who you are. Sure. Oh, how much time do you have? Uh, I think (laughs) the one that instantly popped in my head is this balance between, uh, I'm doing air quotes, personal aspirations, because sometimes I struggle what's a personal aspiration versus a calling or mandate on your life. Like how do you decipher between those two? But whatever you want to call it, balancing quote, quote, that, and also my role as a mother, I think that's the thing that really, because I didn't have a relationship with my mom. It was very strained and, uh, I really didn't have an, a, a desire to be a mom myself. I, I just didn't have that. You know how most girls like, Oh, I can't wait till I get married and have kids. And I didn't have that, mm-hmm. which there's, there's issues there, but God has jokes, I guess, because he gave me two daughters. Right. And mm-hmm. so here I am trying to navigate what does it look like to be a mom when you didn't really have that relationship with a mom, be there for them, and yet still honor this pull in my heart and my soul to make an impact in this world and to pour my life. Cause I relate to you. You said earlier that you could spend 80 or you do spend 80 hours a week working. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have a family, I would sit here looking <laughs> crazy all day long, drinking coffee. I'd probably, I'd be a hot mess, but I would be so, I love what I do. I mm-hmm. love it. I feel called to do this work. However, when you hear mommy calling you in the back, there's this check of, you know, if you're like, am I attentive to them? Am I present with them? Am I nurturing them? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Am I, you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. very tricky. It's very tricky. It's a big challenge. I know for me, I was, I was recently in the relationship and, and one of the challenges was that the person I was dating, she had a daughter and I noticed myself of playing the role of a father for a girl that was the same age that I was, but I didn't have a father at that age. And so I always, I continuously ask myself question of, well, what does this really mean? How do you become a father to someone when you didn't have one to begin with? So you're literally starting with no foundation and you're building a foundation where I think in most cases, some are able to at least relate back onto a foundation that was built and then go off of that yep. and say, okay, well, my mom did this. Maybe I should try that. Yep. But in, in our case, it's like, well, I didn't have a father, so I can look somewhere else as far as someone else that did a similar thing and see mm-hmm. if it works or not. But you are right. It is an ongoing challenge being able mm-hmm. to move between different identities and especially 
be within an identity that you don't have an idea of what that identity really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to that original question you asked of like fulfilling that hole because there is this part of me. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was uh, in the entertainment industry. I love listening to those. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. But he was talking about, he was a comedian and he said that he feels like a lot of comedians have this strain in their parental relationships and they go up and try to get this attention and this acceptance and this admiration from their audience because they never had that. And I can really relate to that. And sometimes I question myself. I'm like, Heather, are you working so hard because you need acceptance and admiration from other people, Mm -hmm. audience? And I can honestly answer that question and say like, yeah, I do need that. And that is hard for me. That is an insecurity. But then I can honestly say too, I look at it and I'm like, I do care about people and I really do want to make an impact. And I really believe in this work. And so I I think that that's almost always going to be there, that, mm-hmm. that yin yang, that, that wrestling between, you know, good intention and, uh, insecurity. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm 32 and I haven't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just aware of it right now. I'm really just mm-hmm. aware. Of it. And it's really hard because I want to do things for the right reasons. And I really want to, I really want the work to matter and not just be another thing. But I can't honestly say that every intention has always been pure because I am insecure and I have struggled a lot. And, um, it's just something I have to keep returning back to and checking myself on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as part of that, what you mentioned is that it's okay to have it be all of that experience because as I'm sure you've learned during your time, you have done things where you can look back at right now and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't have done it that way. But you needed that experience in order to learn what not to do. Yeah. So you need everything. You need all of the things that come along the journey and you do the best that you can with the best that you know. Yeah. And that there are things as part of this journey that you won't know until you try. Yeah. And so as long as you, I think, go in with that mindset, and I've faced myself in similar situations where I've lost relationships and friendships because I just knew what I knew at the time. And so now I am able to be, like you said, more self-aware when it comes to new ones. But even with new ones, it's a different challenge. And you don't know what that particular thing will bring to you. So being able to identify the motive and the meaning, even though at the core of it, you may align, it's also a new interaction. Yeah. I want to ask you a question if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I want your opinion on this because it's something I've been thinking about. Uh, So I... The reason I started the the show Unconventional Leaders is I this idea of people coming from hardship and building great things. It just felt like this reoccurring theme. So you read a biography on somebody great. Mm -hmm. More often than not, they've been through some hell. Like more often than not, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like this common theme. And and with your show too, of like people who have overcome odds and have done really amazing things. So I've I've been asking myself this, and I want to know your opinion is – uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a spiritual gal. Um, but I wonder sometimes, is it that there are certain people who are called to do certain things and that's just kind of the intention of their life. And so they go through hard things because that's a kind of like a prerequisite almost, uh, a requ- I don't want to say a requirement, but 
it, it positions you in a way where you view the world in a certain way and you have that grit and edginess, I guess, mm-hmm. to you, the substance to be mm-hmm. able to create kind of outside the box, big things. What, it, what are your, what is your thought on that? I agree with that a hundred percent because I think you have to be able to go to one end of the extreme to be able to really understand that. The more I actually look at all those examples, the more I see myself in them. And I, I'll be completely honest. I, I see myself in all of those examples right now more than ever before. I look at myself, every single person who has who I've come across and was able to read their story, the ones that come to mind, Robert Downey Jr. and Lewis House, the two that literally started from rock bottom. I mean, sleeping on your sister's couch, not having money, going to jail, and then starting your life over again. My story is that I recently shared this, but a couple months, a couple months ago, maybe half a year ago, I was going through some a lot of adversity, and as part of it, it put me in situations where I did have to call my friends and say, "Hey, I, can you help me out? I can't." I can't do this or I don't have enough to pay for this bill or whatever it was. And I noticed myself that I was, I was there. Like I was hitting that rock bottom. And I think the, the beauty of it is when you do hit rock bottom, you have nowhere else but up from there. And I think as part of that, we are all put through similar trials and tribulations, but some of us get to define how we view those. So what I mean by that is some of us allow the past to define us and others define something out of the past. So like the experience that you had, you can look at it in two ways. You could say, well, this happened to me and there's nothing more I can do and I'm going to just temporarily deal with this problem. Or you could say, this happened to me, so what? What can I do with it now? Yeah. What am I supposed to learn from it? That's good. And you always have that choice. Just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of this, have you hit rock bottom yet? Define rock bottom. I mean, like it, it's... Uh, What's the lowest I, that you've hit? Oh, boy. I'm trying to pick one. <laughs> um... I think a few years ago, I completely lost my identity within uh, religion and church. And there are some really, really crazy things that happened um, that might be another podcast. But mm-hmm. um, it was a very, very, very lonely and dark time. And I did, there were some things I did and um, struggled with that. I never thought I would before. Um, I saw a lot of, uh, kind of community within church, uh, just the way that I grew up. I kind of ran to the church for family, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was very involved. In fact, the intention of my life was to go into ministry. That's what I, from the time I was a little girl all the way till I was in my early mid twenties. I, that's what I did is I did ministry. I traveled all over the States and did that. And, uh, went to school to be a minister, um, had keys to every church building ever. Like I, I was just, that was me. And I, there was just some really bad things that happened and it got kind of exposed for what it was. And it just broke me because mm-hmm. I had 
all of that emphasis and weight of like what I wanted. And, and now I realize that like, I didn't see a pastor as a pastor. I saw it as a father. Mm. I didn't see women in the church as women in the church. I saw them as a mother. And so their approval of me, their, um, that jump Heather jumps. I mean, it was like, it was literally me associating that as my family. And when a bunch of things happened and I broke away from that, it was literally like, I kind of got exposed for the first time that I really was alone. Mm -hmm. That was no family there. And this was just really a big, it was screwed up. It was really, really screwed up. So there was, there was a few years there and it was just really hard, um, trying to find my identity again. And that's when I, uh, just decided to go to school, build a platform, start figuring out things on my own, connect with people all over and just start exposing myself to other ideas, um, and figuring out learning, studying what mm -hmm. truth really is. Mm -hmm. you know? I'm curious to know from that experience, what have you learned about yourself? That I don't want to say I learned about, I think what I learned in general is that there is something bigger than me, but it wasn't what I thought it was mm -hmm. and not to that. I, I, I didn't like who I was and I was working so hard to become something that was approved by someone else. And so I was very judgmental. You wouldn't have liked me about 10 years ago, you wouldn't have, you would have said there's something wrong with that girl. And there was because I kind of, uh, shifted all of, all of that need for approval into legalism and being very, um, black and white with my worldview. And, um, I just realized I didn't like myself and that I was living for other people and living for their approval. And I wasn't being authentic. I was literally living two lives because I felt one way but I presented myself in another and it came crashing down at one point. It was a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing. But you know, now that I'm in my early thirties, I can honestly say like, I, 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 what you see is what you get. Like, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, me, you've mm -hmm. never met me, but I'm telling you, you know who I am because I'm not lying to you. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't have done that 10 years ago because there, there was so much fakeness in, in my persona. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. Mm -hmm. How difficult would you say it is? You, you mentioned this concept of knowing that there's something bigger than you are. Mm -hmm. Once you know that, how difficult do you think it is to just be you, like you in the physical form without having to constantly chase that thing that's higher? Well, I think that's, that's the thing I've been trying to unlearn. I feel like I'm in a state right now where I'm not trying to learn new things. I feel like I'm in a state where I'm trying to shed off a whole bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm trying to unlearn is that there's this dissonance between me and that creator. And that instead of me having to chase and find him and be approved by him and be appointed by him and be whatever, whatever, that it's me becoming aware of this presence that's actually in me too. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, they say God is omnipresent, like actually understanding what that means that like when I go outside and I see this tree or this flower, or I feel this presence that there's not this, you know, I've humanized God in this sense of that. He is this separate being away from me that I've got to strive and work towards as opposed to becoming aware of this force in earth that is life mm -hmm. and, and holding respect for that and being, so it's, it's, I don't feel what's pressured anymore. Mm -hmm. What I feel right now is just this awareness of all this 
complete crap um, that I've been conditioned to for so long. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does make okay. sense. And the reason why I ask is because I've, I've noticed myself in similar situations where I, I believe that there's a greater purpose beyond the one that I currently understand just due to the energy and the different people that I've been able to connect with in, along this path. And the, the challenge then becomes as well, if that's true, if there is something quote unquote greater and higher, when do you just stop chasing that? And when are you given the chance to just be you? Because as part of that, if if that's something that's guiding you, well, I think it's it's part of our DNA to just go after it, to figure well, yeah, it out, to align the, the, with it. The love thing, mm-hmm. the relationship thing, the not having a mom and a dad or having strained relationships mm-hmm. with that, of course we're going to do that. We're going to think – Oh, there's this thing I need approval from and that I need to mm-hmm. chase because we didn't have those that that kind of relationship in our own lives. And understanding that it doesn't work like that, it's really messed up. <laughs> like I don't, I still don't get it, you know. But I feel you. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask all of our guests, and that is, who or what are you grateful for today? Hmm. Definitely my girls. Um, they, and I know, I know like every parent says this, like I'm annoyed with myself. Like when I say it, I'm like, Oh, you're such a mother, but like just their unconditional love and acceptance. Like I've told so many people this before, you know, when they're about to have children, I'm like, I never really understood what love was until I had my girls. Yeah. I didn't like, I thought, but experiencing that for myself, like part of it makes me angry because for like people who've struggled, like, you know, you have and other mm-hmm. people, my, my father, like, I'm like, how in the world have people had such strange relationships with their children before? But it's also renewed hope in me that, um, like you said, the story that happened with me or my father, or the generations behind me does not have to be the story for my children and my grandchildren and the children after that that we can change this and we can shift this. So my girls have brought me like just a lot of hope mm-hmm. in humanity and also like my own capacity to love. Mm. How would you just, obviously love is a very difficult subject to describe in, in our experience. And I actually just had a podcast with Anthony Trucks and we spoke about who are you and how it's such an arbitrary question to begin with because I mean, there's there's so much to our existence and one of the things he said was well it's like trying to describe love to a blind person hmm. you mentioned the concept of unconditional love i'm not a parent and i'm assuming some of the other listeners are also not parents what is that like like what is what does that really mean to you to love yeah. someone unconditionally so i've just i've I've just done some things I'm just so ashamed of in my life. And I think growing, you know, I was talking about religion and growing up in that really strong church environment. I was just so paranoid all the time that these things that I've done, these things that I'm ashamed of, these transgressions in my life, like God needs to forgive me and that I need to be, you know, uh, maybe one day he'll accept me because of this, 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 this. And then when I had my girls, the thought has crossed my mind before, like, 
literally they could kill someone Mm -hmm. and be in prison for like the most hellacious, horrible crime. And of course I'd be appalled, but like the thought is crossing my mind. I'm like, but I would never like, I would never love them any less or more or anything like that. And you can say that, but them feeling it is just so different. It's so weird where I, I believe that like people are like, Oh, you know, God forgives you and God loves you and all this stuff. And I was like, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, but then experiencing that real love myself where I can honestly look you in the eyes and tell you that their performance does not put a gauge on how I feel towards them. Mm-hmm. That's very freeing for someone who's felt their worth has been dependent on in my own eyes, like my worth has been dependent on my performance my entire life. And I still struggle with that. And so knowing how I love them unconditionally, again, it's not healed everything in my heart, but it's given me a context to understand that perhaps my own worth and my own value isn't dependent on those actions either. Mm. Heather, how do people find you? And what are some of the things that you have coming up that people can be a part of? Yeah. So I'm super boring. Like I'm just Heather parody. Like you can find me everywhere on social media except Snapchat because I'm too old for that and I don't get it. <laughs> uh, but for the most part at Heather parody and the podcast, love to check that out too. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for being a guest, sharing your story and thank you for being Honored. vulnerable in you. Honored my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.